From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome into the WATH studios. Carl Blaylock with you. We got Dylan Westmeyer over my shoulder, and joining us via the telephone is Alexander, head football coach. Tyler Davis. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Carl. Thanks for having me. Of course. And obviously, this is your first year as head coach, but you've been around the Alexander program for a few years. Yes, sir. I was a 2012 Alexander graduate, and I've been within the program for the last nine years, whether that be from youth level, um, as an assistant at the high school level, and as a coordinator. Now, what, what's the adjustment going from uh, coordinator up to head coach? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot more um, behind-the-scenes type stuff. Um, getting that development from being an assistant coach to being, being promoted to a coordinator and then to a head coach really helped me grasp what comes with being head coach uh, behind the scenes. I had Coach Dean, who, you know, Coach Dean's been around football for a long time, so he, he, he really taught me a lot. Uh, absolutely. Looking at the team you've got this year, uh, obviously the first name on the roster and the first name that everyone will be talking about is Jordan Schultz, your star quarterback coming back for his senior year. Uh, how has he developed this season already from being such a good passer the previous two years? Oh, might be having some technical difficulties. Uh, Coach, you there? Nope, he's not there. Uh, we'll, uh, all righty, well, we'll have him call back uh, here in just a minute. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about the TVC uh, for the moment. Uh, as, oh. Coach, you there again? I'm back. I don't know what happened there. Ah, uh, that happens. But uh, looking at your uh, looking at your team, you know the top the top player you know, on the roster, number one is Jordan Schultz, your star quarterback, uh, coming back for his senior year. Uh, how much does it help to have uh, such a star be the centerpiece of your offense in your first year of coaching? Yeah. So I mean. Obviously, Carl, that makes my, my job much, much easier. Um, I've, I've been with Jordan since he was in third grade playing youth football. Um, I've been with him ever since he started playing football. Um, so it's someone that I can really rely on. We have a really great, great relationship um, on the field and off the field. Um, a kid like Jordan, um, he exemplifies everything that you want in a leader. Uh, he's a very humble guy, hardworking guy, um, and really takes, I mean, he's our heartbeat. How much 
how much more could he develop? Has he developed even more? Is he, are we going to see a whole uh, different type of Jordan Schultz going into his senior year? Has he leveled up even more than what he was last year? Absolutely has. Um, this offseason, uh, me and him have worked a lot on his footwork, his mechanics, um, seeing the field, being able to read coverages a lot better. Um, he spent a lot of the majority of his offseason focusing on those things, um, and it's going to make him a better football player. His, his knowledge for the game has grown a lot. Um, this offseason. Another player that's returning is Isaac Waller, coming back from a really gruesome injury last year at Warren. Um, how has he healed up, and is he back to 100%? Yeah, great question. Um, as you all know, last last year, week nine at Warren, he, he suffered a pretty bad break in his leg. Um, so this offseason, he, he spent a lot of time with our trainer, uh, rehabbing, rehabbing, rehabbing. Once we got him back, to uh, 100%, you know, he really started hitting the weight room hard about March, April, and uh, he's he's put on about 15 pounds of muscle this offseason, so he's he's coming back for a vengeance. How, how important to have him is he was a key part of that uh, of the defensive backfield with the at the linebacker position and also very good as a running back. How important is it to have him back and at 100%? It's it's very important. Um, yeah, he will. Be, I mean, he is our feature back. Um, his leadership also. Um, he's 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 the hardest worker in the room, everywhere he goes. Looking at uh, looking at your roster from uh, the Week Ten matchup, I was looking back through my notes and I, I noticed a lot of freshmen. You had a freshman starting at uh, left guard. You had uh, two freshmen as your running backs. You had a freshman wide receiver as well. Uh, that's just on offense. How much did, even though the end of the season was rough with injuries, how much did it help to be able to get these freshman varsity reps and now as they turn into sophomores, they have that experience? How much, how important is that for your team this year now? Yeah, it's, it's crucial. So last year we, we, we battled through a lot of injuries. You know, every team does. But... Our, our, our freshmen, our sophomores, and a handful of our juniors got, got that game time experience. It's very, very crucial to a program. Those live reps are everything um, in, in development. Looking at, uh, looking at who you return on offense, what do you think is, obviously we talked about Shulls, we talked about Waller, but in the wide receiver core, who do you think the most important person or group of people are in that receiving core catching those passes from Shoals? Yeah, great question, Carl. Um, we, we're actually returning. Everybody Everybody returning on offense except for one kid. Um, Jagger King graduated last year. Um, but outside of that, we have Brody Montgomery. Um, he'll be out wide. He's a, he'll be a senior. Um, we have Alex Jeffrey anchored on the other side. He's a, he'll be a senior. Um, we have Earl Shad. He'll be a junior who came out this year. He's a very quick, athletic kid, can catch the ball. Um, we have, and then we also have Logan Jenkins, who will be a senior as well. So we're we're pretty senior heavy at the skill position this year. Flipping over to the defense, uh, is there going to be any change of identity, uh, or is it going to be the same as prior uh, before you were head coach? So yeah, that's a great question. We're we're we are we are making some adjustments defensively. Um, that I think fits our fits our talent, fits our fits our kids. 
Um, so, yeah, you're going to see a little bit different of a defense this year. I don't want to give everything away oh, yeah. before we play Waterford, but, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to see some differences. Defensive, uh, defensive personnel-wise, uh, who are some players, obviously Waller as a star linebacker, but who else is very good on that defense, and do you expect to step up this year? Yeah, so, I, I mean, uh, you can't leave the big boys up front out of it. Um, with, uh, um, Trevor Sweeney will be a junior this year. He plays the end. Um, we have Nate Graves. He'll be a sophomore this year. He'll be our big anchor at nose. Um, we have Adam Eblen, who'll be he'll be a senior this year, and we also have uh, Braden Tuttle, who was all district last year too. Um, and that's just up front. So in the secondary, we're also returning um, Brody Montgomery at corner, Alex Jeffrey at corner, both seniors, and uh, Earl Shad, who came back out this year, will be uh, he'll be playing free safety. That's definitely going to be a stacked uh, team. And, and they'll go up on Thursday this week against Waterford in week one. And I guess, first of all, the, the obvious question is, how much of an adjustment is to have the first game on a Thursday? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, we, we end up having practice on Sunday evening. Um, but then our, our preparation just moves up one day. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging. We have our first day of school is Thursday as well, so that's something that the kids mentally have to prepare themselves for. Um, and I think we've done a great job as a staff thus far this week getting them mentally sharpened and, and ready. Looking at, uh, looking at your schedule as a whole, what are some games that you're really excited about this year? Yes, I mean, obviously week one, um, get the opportunity to play, um, you know, TVC Hawking, front runner last year um waterford they're very disciplined very physical football team um so that'll be a a great test for us early to see where we're at um and then obviously once you get into league play um i mean every every week's going to be a battle in in league play absolutely uh Speaking of league play, what do you think this year about the TVC Ohio? Obviously, Nelsonville, York, and Vinton County seem to be above everyone else, but I, a lot of other, a lot of people that I've talked to kind of has Alexander at that third, and I can see you guys as a dark horse, but from a coach's perspective, what do you see out of the TVC Ohio this year? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see the TVC um, building. Um, I, I think the TVC is... is, is close to even as it's been in multiple years. Um, obviously, Nelsonville York, um, perennial powerhouse in our league. Um, very well-coached team, very disciplined team. Uh, Coach Richards does a fantastic job up there. Um, and TJ, TJ Carper out in Vinton County, he has his, you know, he's got a very big and physical football team out there, too. And, and Meg's is building. They have speed. They have big boys up front. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Wilson's going to be much better this year. Um, they're they're going to be a well-coached football team. River Valley, you know, they're, they're, their numbers are up. They're, they're going to be much more competitive, um, and, and, and us too. So it's going to be – each week's going to be a war. Absolutely. One challenge that you have this season is you're not going to be able to play any home games for the first five weeks. Can you talk a little bit about that challenge? Yeah, so mentally it's, it's a challenge. Um, but luckily for me, I'm a, a very senior-heavy football team. So I rely – and our team relies – a lot on that leader, uh, senior leadership um, to get us there. 
these kids have faced a lot of adversity this summer. Um, so they're they're pretty sharp and they're pretty mentally focused on getting there. Um, but it will be a challenge. I mean, anytime you play home games at your rival stadium, um, it, it can be a challenge. How much do you think it could turn into uh, almost something that could propel you into the playoffs? Uh, you know, Alexander hasn't been to the playoffs uh, in, in uh, a normal year, haven't, haven't qualified for the play- playoffs. That's how I phrased it last year. Uh, Alexander hasn't qualified for the playoffs since 2015. How important would it be to be able to get that playoff berth? Oh, it would be, it would be huge. Uh, these seniors, that's one, of the, that's one of our senior goals this year um, that, that they wrote down. Um, as well as you know, competing for a TVC title, but it, w- it would be huge for our program. Um, it would it would be huge for my staff, um, our community. Um, it's it's been a long time, and these these fans are ready for it. I think. One last thing before we let you go. Uh, obviously, this year there's a lot of uh, new fields coming through. Uh, obviously, you guys are having work done, and your guys gonna are gonna have kind of a rejuvenated field. Uh, and you've got three new turf fields in uh, at Boston Field up at Nelsonville, York. They redid their turf. Same with Athens at Joe Burrow Stadium. Then also Meg's getting brand new turf at their stadium. What do you think about playing on turf? And is it a little bit different for your players? Yeah, so it's a little bit different. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we play on grass, both practice field and, and game field. Um, but with with the way our team is built, I think um, the turf gives us a little more of an advantage. Um, I'd like to think that we're more, one of the more quicker teams. We're not a, a big physical football team like up front. We're you know we're we're pretty fast. So it uh, to me it seems like it would be more of an advantage to us. But also not getting to practice on it very much uh, can be difficult. Do you think there'll be a little bit of an adjustment period? Uh for both week two and week five when you're playing on those new turfs uh, on the road, although technically yes, at home? We actually got, yeah, they're, yeah technically at home. Um, we actually got some experience last year towards the tail end of the season. Um, Warren, local, who we play week nine this year at home, but last year we played at Warren. They had just put brand-new turf in there last year, so we, we kind of got that experience, that feel last year late in the season. Hopefully it'll be a good season for your Spartans. Coach, thanks for uh, calling in and joining us. Thank you, Carl. When we come back, we're going to talk about some college football as the Associated Press Top 25 poll has just been released. Uh, We'll talk that with myself and Dylan Westmeyer after the break here on The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. The Ohio State football season is fast approaching. Join us for our season kickoff show Monday, August 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll hear from Buckeye coach Ryan Day and others from around the Big Ten as we count you down to the season opener September 2nd at Indiana. That's the season kickoff show presented by the American Dairy Association Mideast Monday, August 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. here on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. 
Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. We are racing at the Meigs County Fair. Nothing beats the sound of thundering hooves as they head to the finish line. Catch the excitement of harness racing Thursday and Friday at the Meigs County Fair in Rock Springs. Post time, 1 p.m. Horses, racing, and winners at the Meigs County Fair. Thursday and Friday, post time, 1 p.m. Be there! Local teams, local opinions. The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. This is the Sports Fan. Thanks to uh, Alexander head coach Tyler Davis for uh, calling in and talking with us on this Monday. I know he was uh, he would have came in in studio, but they've got that rally down in Alexander. That's really cool. I think it's always really cool to have the uh, uh, to be able to have a rally like that, a pep rally. Of sorts, I know. I mean, those were always really exciting. I remember for homecoming in high school, uh, we would always have a bonfire. Uh, they put a bonfire. You know, they had like a little parking lot, uh, a little handicapped parking lot, like right by the school. That was uh, it was stone, so you know it's not that big of a deal if you burn it. So they they sat there. They sat up the fire in there and put a few pallets up together. And uh, we had a little bonfire every Thursday night before the game. And I mean, it was sometimes they had it actually on Sunday night for some reason. Uh, you know, but it was still really, really cool to have stuff like that. And it, it, it's really enjoyable. It's one of the things that makes high school sports what it is. Yeah, I agree, Carl. I mean, even at my high school as well, we would do, you know, the occasional pep rally for the, for the team. And, uh, I, as, as a band member back in high school, you know, it was always fun for us. You know, we'd get to get to play in front of all the students. Uh, you know, many of them who, you know, would show up to the games would see us at the games, but other than that, you know, pep rallies were always nice. You got out of class early. You know, it, it was just a nice event to go through. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had – oh, I'm trying to think of any uh, – we always ended up – we had this one uh, – one of my buddies in high school, uh, he was a twig, 150 pounds. And he, 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 he he's uh, filled, filled out a little bit uh, once he got out of uh, high school. Well, mostly because he quit doing cross country. But uh, – <laughs> every single pep rally we put him up in the air every single pep rally we'd sit there all righty up you go we're gonna <laughs> just gonna toss him up and down and i yeah, he loved it it was it was really fun uh, but uh yeah we got some pretty cool college traditions i'm pretty sure they had a uh uh they had some bonfire things as well uh at some schools so that's really cool, and we're going to be talking college football because the AP Top 25 poll is released. Uh, let's run through the Top 25. Georgia is number one as the two-time defending national champions. Michigan is two. Ohio State, three. Alabama is fourth. Uh, LSU is fifth. They're going to have a top 10 matchup. We'll get to that in a second as USC is sixth, Penn State seven, and LSU's week one opponent is ranked eighth florida state and i mean you remember that game uh week one last year those were two unranked or no lsu might have been ranked like 25th 
Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they, they weren't that good of teams. Well, look at them now. It's a top 10 matchup. That'll be on a Sunday night, too. Uh, that'll be really fun. Number nine is Clemson, and yes, Clemson is behind Florida State. Uh, rounding out the top ten is Washington. Texas is 11th. Uh, Tennessee's ranked 12th. Notre Dame ranked 13th. Utah ranked 14th. Oregon 15th. Kansas State 16th. TCU 17th. Oregon State is 18th. Wisconsin is 19th. They are the only or no, they are not the only Big 12 or Big 10 West of West team ranked as Oklahoma ranked 20th, North Carolina ranked 22nd, Ole Miss 20, uh, excuse me, North Carolina 21, Ole Miss 22, Texas A&M is somehow ranked at 23, Tulane is in the rankings, they're at 24th, and Iowa is ranked 25th, they're the other uh, big 12 Big Ten West team. Uh, One interesting thing is uh, Tulane is facing South Alabama week one. South Alabama getting a vote. So that that might be an interesting team. Uh, Some of the other teams uh, just outside of the top rankings, Texas Tech, South Carolina, UCLA, uh, Texas San Antonio, Arkansas, Boise State, Pittsburgh, Kentucky, and Troy. Uh, I guess, Westmeyer, what's your first reaction uh, from the Top 25 poll. I was, like, scrolling through. Obviously, the top four, I was kind of figured, you know, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, I kind of figured that'd be the top four. But then Clemson at nine shocks me a little bit. I know they didn't have the best season last year, but they've just been perennially, you know, top five teams in the past, you know, what, five, six years? Yeah. Them at nine shocked me a little bit. Florida State at eight shocked me a little bit. I know they had a good end of the season and whatnot but at eight that shocked me i understand tcu had a crazy year but all the way down at 17 i mean i get they they got they, they, absolutely blown out in the uh, national and, they, and they, lost, they lost quite a few players as well so i, I still feel like you got to give a team like that a little bit more respect you know coming off a national title game even though it didn't go well i, I think you got to give them a little bit more respect you know a top 10 yeah i feel like 17 felt a little low for them uh what else was caught my eye Tulane being the only you know non-power five I think is really cool um other than that you know obviously we you talked about a few of the teams just outside the top 25 I think I think quite a few of those teams we are going to see in the top 25 very soon um I think some of these teams you know are going to have some tough early matchups and we, we might see a couple of upsets early on Absolutely, I, I think, and I know normally the bottom of the rank, uh, bottom of the top twenty-five preseason is just kind of, uh, you know, teams are just thrown on there. Yeah, like it's just a hope and pray. <laughs> Texas A&M is not going to be good this year, folks. Um, a team that employs Bobby Petrino in the year twenty twenty-three is not going to be good. Uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know, I don't know. A&M's not going to be that good. I don't feel Iowa. As well, that is that surprising. Me a bit. I, I mean, they've had they've had one of the best defenses in yeah. the country about the last like five or ten years, but they've had to because their offense yeah. has been one of the worst. I mean, yeah. you look last year when they scored seven points without scoring a touchdown in a game, and that in itself was bad. Yeah, but but uh, it's interesting because that Iowa team did shut out a Kentucky team that got votes. They yeah, got, they got a few votes, and that Iowa team shut them out in the bowl game. Obviously, that's last year still, but 
Brian, I mean, Brian. I'm very intrigued on how I was going to do this year. And then, again, like you said, AM. I don't expect much out of AM. Old Miss, I think, is an interesting top 25 pick as well. I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year, but I, I see I see a few of these teams kind of filtering out really early. Yeah, as long as Brian Ferentz is in charge of the offense at Iowa, uh, they're not going to be that good. If Iowa had a half-decent offense, I mean, look look, look at the one year that Iowa had a half-decent offense. They made the Big Ten championship game. They were an, a J.K. Scott, no, it was L.K. Scott. Yeah. Literally an L.K. Scott arm extension away from the college football playoff. Where they, where they, they would have they been killed. Yeah. They would have been killed by Alabama. Look at how bad Florida State got beat. And remember that uh, Stanford beat that Iowa team in the Rose Bowl by about 30. So, I, I don't know. Looking back at the top of the rankings, I, I'm a bit surprised at Alabama at four. I know they had a down year last year, but I guess I just always expect Alabama to be in the top three. And I'm a bit surprised that they put Ohio State over Alabama. It, because if, if you look at it, if you look at it, um, I mean, Bama and Ohio State, they both had kind of down years for their programs last year. And when you look at both of them, I think Bama has it more figured out than Ohio State right now. I, I just saw uh, one of Ohio State's star linebackers, linebackers yep, I uh, went down. I'm, i got to remember, remember what his the name, name off is. My top of my head. Um, uh, Court Williams. Yep. He tore his ACL. He's out for the year. I and you still don't know if Kyle McCord's the real deal. I hope we don't chuck him into the fire like how we did CJ Stroud because that was that was a bit rough. And luckily, you know, week one against Indiana is a bit easier than yeah. week one against Oregon. But yeah. it's still I don't know. It, it just I think this is a prove it year for Ryan Day. Yeah, I agree. This this is a year for Ryan Day to prove that he is not he is not. Cooper. That's all he has to do. Yep. Prove that you're not Cooper. Beat Michigan. Um, because if you don't, his seat's going to start getting warm. And Michigan is on the top, but who knows what's going on with Michigan either. I, the NCAA seems to be trying to make an example out of Jim Harbaugh uh, because it was uh, like because pretty much because everyone was trolling him online for suspending him four games for just a hamburger. Yeah, it's just Michigan's a confusing situation right now. And then just to pop back on your Ohio State, Alabama, I think a lot of the AP poll is just showing, you know, respect to Ohio State for that, how close they played Georgia in that, you know, semifinal mm-hmm. game. Obviously, they did lose a lot of players from that. But I don't know. I think they're just showing a little bit of respect because of that game. And obviously, you know, Ohio State's going to be good every year. That's just kind of how it works. Regard if they're top four, you know, possibly is not gonna it's not gonna end that way. But they're always, you know, I don't remember the last year Ohio State was not in the top ten at the end of the year, especially these past few years. But I mean, I think I think it's just a little bit of respect. But yeah, that Michigan situation is just really confusing. So it'll be interesting to see how they end up, you know, working out. I know Michigan's had you know been been slandered a little bit the past few years for their non-conference schedule at the beginning of the year where they take it really really easy um so i four games i don't know how much that's really gonna do uh to michigan 
if Harbaugh's out for four games, like, do they play anybody in their first four weeks? Uh, East Carolina. That's... They play East Carolina. They play... I I mean, they not really... Yeah, their, their schedule is not, like, super... East Carolina, East Carolina, UNLV, BGSU, and Rutgers are their first four I think weeks. Bowling Green might be the toughest one out of those. Like, three. that's really not much. No. Like, obviously the Big Ten is a gauntlet, and it always is, just because, you know, there's so many good teams, and they're top-heavy. You know, there's obviously Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. But then, you know, there's those teams, those other teams in the Big Ten that just kind of, like, come out of nowhere and have a, a really solid season. So uh, to answer your question on the last time they finished out of the top 10, uh, that would have been in 2013 when they uh, they lost to Michigan State. That's right. Because they, they were right in position for the BCS title game. That's right. Yep. Uh, lost to Michigan State and then lost to Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Um, before that... And not including 2011. Oh wait, no, 2011 is included. Yeah, 2011 is included. Yeah, they they were unranked in 20 after 2011. Um, so those those were the last two. Uh, that's the only time they've been unranked since 2001. Yep. So, so perennially top top ten team. Yes. But yeah, Michigan again, really interesting situation. But I don't think it'll really matter because they don't really play anybody in the first four weeks versus like you know what you brought up lsu ranked five playing florida state ranked eight week one like let's say lsu is in turmoil i think that's obviously a team that you're gonna have to watch on upset alert if you know they're having a weird situation like that and then they're playing another top you know top 10 team absolutely and i mean looking at the first week of college football you got uh you got two top top 25 things during week zero with uh, Notre Dame Navy and San Jose State USC, uh, which that should be a decent game, honestly. Uh, but looking at looking at the uh, Saturday, you know, you got Thursday night, you got Florida-Utah. That should be a solid game. Yep. Uh, but looking at it, you got... Colorado-TCU will be interesting. See how Deion Sanders does. First game for Deion Sanders at Colorado. I doubt it'll be good, but it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, Virginia-Tennessee. Virginia, I don't know what to think about Virginia. I think they're going to have a rebound year, but obviously with how the season ended, yeah. uh, that's that's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be tough for them. Boise State-Washington's an interesting Boise State-Washington Boise is... Boise State had quite a, few, quite a few votes to be top 25, and... That'll be an interesting matchup week one. Absolutely. Another one is Nevada-USC. I, I don't remember how good Nevada... I feel like Nevada was okay last year. So I'm interested to see how they play this year. I, I think that they might be able to give USC a little bit of a game. Um, West Virginia-Penn State could be interesting. You never know what you're going to get out of West Virginia, I feel like. They're just really hot-cold. Yeah. I, I think that the biggest... The biggest game, honestly, in that evening part is North Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that South Carolina isn't. Uh, I'm surprised that South Carolina is not ranked. Uh, they're 27th, but they're a really good team. And you saw fl- you saw flashes of it, especially the end yeah. of the season. It looked like it was starting to be sustained. 
Yeah. Uh, especially with uh, Spencer Rattler. I mean, look what they did to Tennessee. And albeit that was a Tennessee without Hendon Hooker. It was a lot of injuries on that Tennessee team at that time. But, again, it's still Tennessee. You know, they're still going to have a good backup. They're still going to have their normal good starters. But I don't know. I think it'll be a very interesting week one, to say the least. And then, obviously, the next day you have on the on the 3rd, September 3rd, you've got Oregon State, San Jose State, which could be interesting. And then the LSU-Florida Florida State game. And you have Clemson-Duke I don't on, on the 4th. I don't think Clemson-Duke's going to really be a game. Uh, that might be interesting. Sure. I'm surprised Clemson's only favored by 13. Obviously, it was so early. But... That's a bit surprising, but yeah, no, the Camping World kickoff, LSU, Florida State, that that is going to be a massive game, so I'm interested to see, and, and like I said, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, South Alabama, Tulane, yeah. that's, that's going to be a solid game. Yeah, that could be a very interesting first-round matchup where I, I feel like whoever wins that stays in the top 25. Or, or jumps into the top 25, sorry. Absolutely. I, I really think, I mean, Tulane's already there, but I, I think they're going to catapult up into the top 20. And South Alabama, I think, does make it because uh, they're a solid team. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're pretty solid. So we'll see what happens. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about broadcasting with college football. We're going to touch on our uh, Mount Rushmores of college football broadcasters after the break here on the Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. Athens High School Football is back on WATH. The season kicks off on Thursday as the Bulldogs host the Philo Electrics in a week one matchup. Join Ethan Sargent and Matt Frazee live from Joe Burrow Stadium starting around 645. It's the Bulldogs and the Electrics to kick off the 2023 high school football season. Thursday at 645 on WATH. Here's what's going on. After a summer of declining donations, the American Red Cross needs the public's help to prevent a blood shortage. Right now, the Red Cross especially needs type O negative, type O positive, and type B negative blood donors, as well as platelet donors. Donors of all blood types can schedule an appointment to give by downloading the Red Cross Blood Donor app, visiting redcrossblood.org, or calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. The Red Cross is teaming up with Warner Brothers for the theatrical release of Meg 2 The Trench to celebrate a summer of sharks and help stave off a summer blood and platelet shortage. All who come to give through August 12th will be automatically entered for a chance to win a three-night New York getaway for two with a private shark dive adventure at Long Island Aquarium. Those who come to give throughout the month of August will also get a $10 e-gift card to a movie merchant of their choice. Details are available at redcrossblood.org movie. Upcoming blood donation opportunities throughout the month of August are occurring in Athens and the Plains. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. This is the Sports Fan. Carl Blaylock, Dylan Westmeyer with you. Looking at our uh, sports broadcaster, Mount Rushmore, when we got a chance. I, I, I was just thinking about it because I was watching. I, I've been, uh, you know, my girlfriend is not too big on college football, but she will be. So we've been having kind of education classes on uh, everything from college football. And, and so we've had... You know, we've watched Best Moments. I showed her uh, in depth. <laughs> I've showed her in depth uh, the 2006 Rose Bowl. 
Um, I, I showed her, I drew her how to run trap. That, that was my that was my favorite one. Um, but today's lesson was Vern Lundquist, who he was, what he called, what he was famous for. So I decided, you know what? What what would be what would be my Mount Rushmore for? And I've I've came up with these four: Keith Jackson. Obviously, you know, he, he was the voice of college football from like 1970 to 2006. And he went out with a bang with literally the best college football game in the history of college football. And he had the call that made up for it. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scored. I mean, that was incredible. So you got you got him. He's got to be on there. Uh, Brett Musburger. He's got to be on there. Uh, I mean, he, he I, how many big games did that guy call? How many? Uh, he was the number two for a bunch of them, and he had so many iconic calls. He, call, he, called, uh, he called Miami Notre Dame in 88. He called Doug Flutie's Hail Mary in Boston College over Miami. Um, what else did he call? I, I, he's got, he called Holy Buckeye. Uh, Ohio State versus Purdue in 2002. Uh, Texas Tech, Texas in 2008. You had You Are Looking Live. I mean, it, it just was something about uh, that Boston accent saying, touchdown. You know, it, it just, it's something. It was something. And it, it, it he, he was, he was my favorite growing up. Uh, I love I loved any game listening to Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreit as well. He's pretty good as well, but I mean Musburger, man, he was good. Uh, number three is uh, Vern Lundquist, uh, the guy who you know, kicked this entire thing off. I mean, he was the voice of South of of SEC football for what like fifteen years. I mean, oh look at all the memorable moments. He was literally a member of some families down in and like. South. They called him Uncle Verl. Uncle Vern. Like, why not? Why not? You know, he he and he was that good with it too. I mean, that that is another one that is very clearly on there. And then the fourth is my personal preference, Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson's got to be on there. Most electric man to call college football at the moment. He's got to be on there. An honorable mention to Sean McDonough, who kind of fills the same role as Gus Johnson over on ESPN. I think. Uh, he really brings the thing, and he's got some very iconic calls, and you know when it's his call. I mean, the voice cracks, I love. I, I you know, I, I, he gets excited. Who can blame him? You know, especially you know when they have trouble with the snap. Yeah. Uh, well, what's yours, Westmeyer? So I don't know. I don't remember a lot of the names of the guys that I would listen to when I was younger, but obviously, recently. Um, I'm a big Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet fan, um, not just because he's an Ohio State player. I just think he he's a, just a really good commentator. He knows what he's talking about. He makes it you know very apparent what he's talking about, and it's just very clear and concise, and I really like that from him. And I agree with you. I really like Gus Johnson. He's just fun to listen to. I mean, it's just so fun to hear a call when he's on there, and it's just – it's just another level of you know broadcast with with him. Um, those are the two guys that really stand out to me right now, um, that I you know would listen to consistently all the time. But 
you know, there's so many people from my past, maybe not college football related, um, but I really loved the uh, Cavs broadcast from when I was younger, the Cleveland Cavaliers broadcast. Oh, yeah. It was Aaron Carr or Austin Carr and uh, oh shoot, can't remember the other guy's name. He recently passed away a few years ago. Um, but I loved watching those guys and I loved hearing three pointer deep in the queue. Obviously now it's rocket mortgage field house, but yeah, which doesn't roll off the tongue like the queue, but I, I, I don't know. There were a lot of good memories when I was younger, obviously, but before LeBron James left of hearing like deep in the queue and oh, yeah. it's like deep in the rock. And I'm like, eh, it doesn't have the, doesn't have the same, same I nostalgia. Mean, for I, me. I had, I had the same thing with, uh, I mean, Tom Hamilton, yeah, Guardians. Yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. everyone had that. If you could listen to Tom Hamilton, oh, he's fantastic. You had you had nostalgia for that. He had a great call for the uh, Hosey Tim Anderson uh, <laughs> altercation. Oh, it had me. It, had it me. was so good. I was because I was sitting there waiting for somebody on Twitter to make the joke of uh, of you know down goes Frazier over it. Little did I know, Tom Hamilton had already Hammy done literally, it. Hammy literally live. did it. Hammy literally thought it up on the spot. Down goes Anderson. It was awesome. It was such a good call. It was. It was awesome. I mean, that was that was that entire thing was good. Another another one that like kind of another few that I kind of have good fond memories of. Uh, one is Bob Lamy, who was the uh, voice of the Colts for a while. Uh, he was one of those people you don't know how he kept his job. I mean, he was good at his job. But I don't know how he kept his job. He cursed on air like four times that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, well, it was different. Now you can get suspended no, was... for talking about the team being bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't different. He did it like 2017. He did it after the Chargers moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I. No. Yeah, I was. I. Yeah, he had enough goodwill. He eventually burned it all out, though. Uh, another one, and I was glad he actually got on the Reds radio network over the weekend, and I really enjoyed it. Jim Day. He's kind of the Reds sideline announce, like sideline thing. But he, he, whenever he calls games, I like. I enjoy the way Jim Day calls games. I, I really enjoy. Uh, I, I mean, I got to meet him when the Reds caravan came through. But yeah, I. Albeit, though, I wish he had better games to call. Well, we'll touch a little bit on the Reds here. And, I mean, David Bell is not the right manager for this Reds team. He doesn't know how to manage a bullpen. I get that he hasn't been given much to manage the bullpen with. But he doesn't know how to manage pitchers, period. Um, We lost. We lost the game one yesterday against the Pirates. Obviously, split the doubleheader. We lost game one solely because he decided to take out Williamson after he gave up a walk. He had 88 pitches. I don't know if Williamson's limited to 90 pitches. He must be because he never keeps him in over 90 pitches. And it's very frustrating because um, our relievers don't do very good when they're put in in the middle of the inning. I can see that. How in the world the guy who literally runs the franchise, you know, run, runs the team, can't see it when I can see it, and I'm just some random guy talking on the radio in Athens, Ohio. I can see it, but he can't. Somebody explain that to me. It's okay, Carl. I've got a lot of grief over the past few games with the with the Guardians. Uh, they they've been their their bullpen is also not making me very happy. They've had a couple of games, you know, with the with the Rays and the 
the White Sox and the Blue Jays where they've it's, been. It's been tied. better. It's been better than what they were against the Rangers. Ugh, yeah, but still, it's been. It's just been so frustrating to see the Guardians score runs, tie it back up by the ninth inning, and then give up a walk off. We have given up so many walk offs in the past two weeks. It is unbearable. It's nuts. I mean, we finally got a win the other night. Uh, I think we beat the Rays pretty bad. I think it was nine to two. Yeah, nine yeah. to two. We beat the Rays. I mean, it's it's absurd. Our rookie starting pitching for the Guardians has been so good. I mean, it's been unbelievable. You guys are a pitching machine. We are. I I, I don't understand it. But if you want to become a good pitcher, get drafted by the Guardians. They find a way to make you a good pitcher. I mean, it's absurd. It doesn't make sense. You know, there's so many rookie pitchers that don't do well. And then it's like, you look at Cleveland, and they've got, I think all four of our rookie pitchers are under three ERAs. Tanner Bybee, I think, is at 2-9. Gavin Williams was at, like, 2-9. I think uh, who 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 else was there? There was Xavion Curry. I think he was maybe at like three point one or something. Like it's it's absurd. We had four rookie pitchers, starting pitchers, not even bullpen guys. Four rookie starting pitchers under three point zero ERAs. That's nuts. And then our bullpen just can't do anything, and our offense can't score runs. That's that's why we're a, a, a mediocre at best team. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but somehow you still have a chance for the division because that's how bad. <laughs> that's how bad. That's the how Central bad is. the AL Central is. It's it's yeah, it's atrocious. The fact that we're four and a half games back at fifty-seven and sixty-two. Welcome to Major League Baseball in twenty twenty-three. It is. It yes. Is, yeah. I, I cannot wait for the inevitable. All all it's literally doing is extending the Twins' streak of losing consecutive playoff games. That's it's, all it's going to do. It's it's absurd how bad the AL Central is. Yeah. It like legitimately the Red Sox would be atop the AL Central. No, the entirety in like, the entirety. I I know I don't know if it's still that way. No, the Yankees Yankees would be two games back of the Twins, but like <sighs> still e- even the Angels would be in in the running in the AL if they were in the AL Central at 59 and 60. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's just not a good division right now not well it hasn't been a good division for the last few years it's just this year it is it is gotten really really bad yes really bad we'll take a break when we come back we're gonna have a surefire hot picks here on the sports fan presented by jnk contracting High school football season is almost here, and Pure Rock 105 and Mix 96 FM are your home for the most extensive pre- and post-game coverage in southeastern Ohio. Join Ethan Sargent and Max Brunke on Football Friday Kickoff, where every week they'll preview each game for the TVC, SOC, and FAC, plus feature packages about players, coaches, and schools. Then after the game, tune into Football Friday Night for breakdowns of all the action around the region. It all starts August 18th, live from outside Gloucester Memorial Stadium at 5 p.m. on Pure Rock 105 WXTQ. Heavy uterine bleeding and iron deficiency anemia through the years. Oh, I've been there. Huh? That sweater around your waist, I've been there. Heavy period? Makes you wonder what women used to do. The record you're using to cover your behind. I've been there. You backward apron. 
haven't been there. If you've been there, you get it. Excessive menstrual bleeding for six months or more is known as heavy uterine bleeding, or HUB. HUB may lead to another condition called iron deficiency anemia, or IDA. Learn about iron deficiency anemia at imayhaveida.com. Brought to you by HealthyWomen.org and Daiichi Sankyo, Inc. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home bill, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. This is the sports fan, Carl Blaylock, Dylan Westmeyer with you in the WATH studios. And it's uh, time for our surefire hot picks. You got one yet? Uh, I think I, I think I, I think I've landed on something. I think I'm gonna go Tampa Bay in San Francisco. The over under on runs for that game is seven and a half. I think I'm gonna take the over. Looking looking at Tampa Bay, I know they're really known as a good pitching team, but looking at their last like uh, seven games, eleven runs against the Guardians in like in their loss, eleven runs in their win against the Guardians, seventeen runs. They've been hitting the ball really well. I think I think Tampa Bay is going to score, and then I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm going to trust San Diego to put up some runs as well, uh, or San Francisco. Sorry. So I think I'm going to take the over on seven and a half total runs in that game. I I'm going to go. Uh, the Braves, the best team in baseball right now. That that's not up for discussion. They have one of the best players in ba- or one of the best pitchers in baseball, albeit he's only been out, up for a few. Uh, for a few games this year, Max Fried's got a 2.5 ERA, only in 36 innings pitched, but you know he's good. Uh, going up against Clark Schmidt uh, for the Yankees, 8-6, and 4.23 ERA. ESPN Analytics has 75% for the uh, Braves to win this game. And yeah, it's minus money, but it's easy money. Uh, give me the Braves taking down the Yankees. You know, you can get tickets for that for three bucks. That's wild to think that a Yankees get three dollars. Three dollars. That 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 is insane. That's probably cheaper than an OU baseball game. It is. I think that's five. (laughs) I think you get better seats at Bob Wren though. Well probably. Um looking at uh NFL, I'm not sure if you saw the news. Ezekiel Elliott has finally signed, signed with, with the, the team. Patriots. He's with the Patriots. I think that's a good fit for him. I, I really do. I mean, I, I a lot of people say Zeke's on his last legs. I think Zeke's got a couple more good years in him. I think it's just finding the team that, you know, is going to take advantage of those last few years. I think the Patriots, le- legitimately, it's just a really, really good, good fit for him. Um... They don't really have, you know, a crazy wide receiver room. So I think he's going to be able to get, you know, a bulk of the carries in that in that running back room. I think I think it's a good fit for Zeke. I'm interested to see how it turns out. I don't think that it'll be that great, but it could be something. It's going to be better than what um, they normally the Patriots normally have. Yeah, Did I you, just don't think yeah. anywhere else really fits for Zeke. Looking at it, like. 
there's not really many places that need a running back like Zeke. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, did you catch any uh, preseason football? I watched some of the highlights from the the two Browns games that have happened. Um, I've been very happy with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, obviously, he's not going to start anytime soon, I don't think, but I didn't really expect much out of him, if anything, this year. I figured, you know, you just watch him, you know, maybe throw a drive or two as like the third string. But no, I, I think he's, he's impressed me quite a bit, um, which I'm very happy about because you never know what's going to happen in this NFL. And if, you know, Watson does go down, I, I think he's he's possibly going to be a competent, you know, second, third string guy. I, like, I'm not as worried about him as I thought. Um, I really enjoyed the block he threw in the Hall of Fame game. That was oh, yeah. awesome uh, for the first touchdown. But, like, I think the Browns are also set up to where even if we don't have, you know, the best quarterback, which we need Deshaun Watson to be good to win a lot and to be a playoff contender and whatnot. But like, even if Dorian Thompson Robinson or a backup is in there, you know, you have Nick Chubb in the backfield, you have the wide receivers, obviously not, you know, too many prime time wide receivers, but you have wide receivers that are safe enough to where a backup quarterback could succeed. Absolutely. I, 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 I didn't catch, I caught a, like five minutes of uh, the Colts game on Saturday. They played the bills and, I, I was too busy. I ran my car out of coolant, <laughs> to be honest. I ran my car out of coolant. Uh, there's like a slow leak somewhere. I, I got to get it taken care of. But uh, I, I, from the bits, bits that I saw and the stats I saw on Twitter, I, it, it might be a year that the Colts wait around and try to pair up Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, with Anthony Richardson. I, I think Richardson's – I mean, I think he is an NFL quarterback – I think he's. I don't think he's ready this year. I think he's still a bit raw. Uh, yeah, um, I agree. I, I, he needs a little bit of time. I don't mind. I don't mind I, with the Colts. I don't mind him going out there. I don't think he's really going out there to die. Per I hope se, not. With that, I, I think that. I think that. Yeah, he's going to struggle a bit, but I think that's expected. And it's hey, going to be a rough year for your Colts. I'm expecting it this year. But unlike last year, it could go up. It could go up very well. Or the tickets could be very cheap, and we end up with <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. coming home to Indianapolis. Picture it. Picture it. Picture it. A younger guy don't, in the don't 88 jump, jersey. Don't, don't, don't jump 80, the gun. Please, 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 please. Let don't me have that. Don't jump the gun too much, Carl. <laughs> You're listening to WATH. <laughs>